Today I want to talk about battles because life is full of battles, isn't it? I didn't know that before I came to America that people from Asia are known as people who can fight. Not with guns, of course, but with fists because we got the martial arts. Now, I spent the three years of my middle school days in a school in America. And I still remember the first day that I visited the school. So this was like 30 years ago in the early 1990s. And I was the only Japanese kid in, in my grade. And on the first day, all these kids came up to me. And, and the first thing that all these kids asked me was, hey, 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 do you know karate? Hey, do you know karate? Do you know karate? And I'm like smiling and trying to be nice and everything. But inside of my heart, I'm thinking, well, do you like pizza, being an American? <laughs> then uh, eventually, the, the kids started doing the wax on and wax off thing, you know, from the movie Karate Kid. And, I, and at first, I didn't know what they were doing. I thought, like, is that how people greet each other here? Like, hi, wax on, like, wax off. But like, a few months later, my neighbor friend invited me. And for the first time, I saw this movie, Daniel-san, you wax your car and become strong. And I'm like, thanks, Mr. Miyagi. Literally. I had to deal with this wax on and wax off thing every single day in the first six months of my life in the United States. Now, I can now laugh this out, but for me, this was traumatizing. This was hard. I didn't want to get up in the morning because school for me was a war. Every day was a battle for me. And I, I remember my dad telling me, why, why didn't you just beat them up? Show them who the true, true karate kid is. But my mom was like, no, you have to be like Jesus. Show them the other cheek. And I'm like, make up your mind, parents. <laughs> I was so confused. You know, but eventually, of course, the things got better. And it's because of the battle that I fought during that time that I was able to pick up the language. And, and hence, I'm speaking to you today. But you and I know that life in life, battle continues. And as we grow up, the battles that we fight as adults becomes more and more complicated. It affects us not just physically, but emotionally, psychologically, and even spiritually. It's hard to tell who's fighting the battle today. But I know that there are some of you who's watching this who literally had to drag yourself to sit on that chair and, and, and worship together. Some of you may be fighting a battle of disease, that you're fighting a cancer. And some of you are fighting a financial battle, a relationship battle. Whatever that may be, you may be asking this question. What do you do when you feel like you are standing in front of a wall and you don't know how to climb it? In today's story, we're looking at the people of Israel standing in front of a huge wall. And it is the wall of the city of Jericho. They have been dreaming about get, getting into this promised land for decades and decades. But now they see a wall. What do you do? And so we, we're looking at the, at the chapter 6 of the book of Joshua. But before we go on, let me pray for me and pray for you. 
Father, thank you so much、uh, for this day. Our life is full of battle, full of struggles. You know that, God. And we are just so confused and overwhelmed sometimes. We need you to speak to us today, God. Help us to fight this battle in the way that you want us to. Speak to us today, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So last week, Travis talked about the Israelites crossing the Jordan River. Now, this week, the people are, have crossed the river and they, have, they are now standing and camping on the west side of the river, overlooking the people, the enemy, the first enemy that they need to fight. And these are the people residing in the city of Jericho. Now, Jericho was at a very strategic location. He had a good access to the northern part and the southern part of the promised land. So it was so important for Joshua to conquer this city first. Before any other city, it was so important for Joshua to conquer this city. And this is where we take off from, from chapter 6, verse 1 of Joshua. Now, Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. Now, if you recall from two weeks ago, Barry was talking about these spies being sent into the city of Jericho. So, so the kings and the, the people in this city are expecting, the,、uh, expecting these people. They know that there will be an imminent attack. They are prepared. Now, in the ancient days, whenever you want to attack a well fortified city like the city of Jericho, you pretty much had only two options. Either you could break a hole by force, in which, in which case you risk losing a lot of your people through the battle, or, or you could surround the city and wait for the people to run out of supplies. And of course, before you ran out of your own supplies. But none of the strategies bode well for Joshua in this case. First of all, the wall of Jericho was high. Some people say it was as high as 23 feet tall. So it would be a tremendous effort for these people to, to dig a hole or break a hole in this, in this city. Now, also, this city was literally standing on an oasis. So it had access to these streams of water just welling up from underground, directly linking the city. Now, Travis mentioned also last week. That when the people crossed the Jordan River, it was during the time when the, the depth of the river was deep. It was during the harvest. So these people in the city had plenty of food in, in, their, in their warehouse. So, so Joshua had a little option. They're in the middle of the desert. Joshua needs to feed more than a million people, and the time is ticking out. What do you do? Well, even when we run out of options, God can still make a way because it says in verse 2 And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Now, the most important word in this, in this verse is actually the word I. God is saying, I'm going to do this. He's not saying you have to fight the battle, but he is saying, I am going to pull this off, Joshua. So, what do you do when you see yourself standing in front of a huge wall? What do you do in that circumstance? 
But the first thing that you need to, to know is that God is leading your battle. You need to know that God is leading your battle. It's not him, it's not she, it's not he, but it is God leading your battle. Now it's so easy to forget this, isn't it? We tend to think, oh, we, we are the one who need to lead the battle. And even Joshua, if you read, uh, uh, if you read the book of Joshua, even Joshua forgot that he was not in charge, but God was in charge. Just immediately before uh, today's chapter, uh, there is this account of Joshua encountering God in the flesh. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, it says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. So here is Joshua standing in front of the city of Jericho. And probably he's thinking, how in the heck am I going to do this? And all of a sudden, he sees this man in front of him, and, like, and he's like, what? Where, where did you come from? Did you come from the city? No, you can't be. I mean, who are you? And in his confusion, Joshua asked this man this, verse 14, verse 13, are you for us or for our adversary? Are you with me, my army, or are you with the enemy? But then this man, this mysterious man, answers, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. In that moment, Joshua knew that he was standing in front of the divine. So he bows down and it says that he started worshiping this man. And some people say that this was actually Jesus, pre-incarnate Jesus, because if you think about it, Jesus was never created. Jesus was before the creation of the world. So Jesus or God is saying to Joshua, the question that you should be asking is not whether I am for you or I am not for you, but the real question that you should be asking is whose side are you? A lot of times we have this mentality that we have to be the one leading the battle. Without noticing, we are telling God, follow me, God. Cover my back, God. But God is saying, no, are you for me or not? Are you going to follow me or not? You know, there are times when I'm just so overwhelmed with the, the battle that I am fighting in my life that I don't want to wake up in the morning. I literally don't want to like wake up in the morning because of the sheer size of the wall that is in me. I sometimes just wish that there was a coffee machine right beside my bed so I can just like, literally make coffee in my bed to just drag myself out of it. But do you know how I can get out of bed eventually? It's not by saying to myself, you know what? I'm going to be a great leader today. I'm going to lead it well. No, if, if I knew that I was the one who had to lead this battle, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to follow myself. But I get myself out of, bed, out of bed every day declaring that God is my leader, that God is my commander, that Jesus Christ is the commander-in-chief. He's the one fighting the battle for me. He's the one leading me. He knows where he's taking me. And I want you to tell you today, 
Know that Jesus is your leader. Know that Jesus is a good shepherd. Know that he knows where he's taking you. Sometimes you have to go through this valley of shadow of death. But even if you do, he knows where, you take, where he is taking you. He is a good shepherd. He is your leader. So who is leading your battle today? Who is it? Is it you or is it God who is in control? Let's move on. Now, this is where it gets really exciting, okay? Verse 3 and 4. And it goes like this. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow the trumpets. Now, here is a winning strategy that is even more crazy than waxing your car on and off. God is commanding these priests to carry the ark, carry the, the horn, and just go around in circles this city. And, I, and you can just imagine some people questioning, what did you say? Ram's horn? What is that going to do? How are we going to fight the battle with a horn? Now, here we have the ram's horn, a ram's horn today. Now, I literally had to kill a ram this week, you know, to get this just for you. No, I just got this from Amazon, okay? <laughs> now, do you want to hear how, how this ram's horn sounds like? Well, here it is. You ready for this? This is the sound of the ram's horn. All right, I'll be honest with you. I can't do this. <laughs> I, I literally practice every single day this week to do this, but I couldn't make a sound of it. You need like a special skill. So you know what I did? I asked my wife who studied trombone in school, and she's going to play the horn for me. So here it is. <laughs> There you go. That is the sound of ram's horn. And after she did that for me, I have a new respect for my wife, you know. <laughs> well, in the Old Testament, the horn was used in a religious ceremony called the Day of Atonement. Now, in Leviticus 25, it says this, Then you shall sound a loud trumpet, which is the word for this, this horn, uh, on the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, you shall sound the trumpet throughout all your land. So every year, once every year, the priest would bring the animal, either ox or lamb or pigeon, and they will kill the animal, right, and then sacrifice this animal as a, a sin offering to forgive these people of their sins. And it says in the scripture that as the blood was gushing out from these animals, the blood was put on the horn. So this horn itself has a strong symbol of judgment because it was covered in blood. 
The point here is that if Joshua was only fighting against the, these people in the, in the city of Jericho, the physical people, God would have just simply given them bows and arrows, swords and spears. But by commanding the priest to blow the trumpet, the ram's horn against this city, God was telling the people to declare a war against a true enemy, true enemy in the promised land. He, he was saying that the, the real enemy that you should be fighting in the promised land are not just physical, but they're actually spiritual. And you see this throughout the book of Joshua, that the, the true threat from the land did not come from the physical people, but the true threat were gods made by human hands. The true threat was idolatry. And the true threat was greed for more wealth. It was pride. It was self-righteousness. That, those were the true enemies in the promised land. So the sound of the horn was a reminder for all the Israelites that you are about to get into a spiritual warfare. Now, this should be a reminder for us too that as we go about fighting the, the battle of life, we need to know what we are fighting against. We need to identify our true enemy. A lot of times when we are losing out in our battle, it may be because we're fighting a wrong enemy. It's like swinging your bat, looking at a wrong direction, you know. How can you expect to win in a battle if you're fighting a wrong opponent? We have, Paul says that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we are fighting against principalities, forces in heaven that which we cannot see. The true enemy is Satan. Now, I have to be honest that I often find myself doing exactly that, fighting the wrong enemy. I get stressed sometimes preparing a sermon. And sometimes I, I, I just question myself, how can I turn a sermon prep, prep into my enemy? I mean, this, this is the word of God, right? This is the, the bread of life. But sometimes I turn my ministry, sometimes I turn my sermon preaching into my enemy because deep within... There is pride. Deep within, there is desire to look good. Deep within, there is a desire to be successful. Those are the true enemies. We're all fighting battles in our life, but we have to question ourselves. Are we fighting the real, the true enemy? We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against principalities, rulers in heaven. We are fighting the spiritual war. Now, going back to the text, now that the priests are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the seven priests were carrying the Ark, and there are all these people blowing the, the horn, and all these people are just following the Ark without a word. And they go around the city once, and they go back to the camp. That was the first day. And on the, on the next day, they do the same. They blow the trumpet. They carry the ark. They go around once and they go back. And from the third day to the sixth day, they do exactly the same. Not a sound, just the sound of the horn. But on the seventh day, it says this. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of the day. 
and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And as soon as the people shouted towards the city, the wall of this great city came crumbling down. And the heart of the people in that city just melted away. And this was how the first enemy in the promised land was defeated. Now, I spent a good time this time uh, researching the whole meaning of people walking around the city. Like, what's, what did that symbolize? Why did they go around and march around the city? What is the logic behind this, you know? Then I came to this profound conclusion, which is this. That the Israelites circled around the city because God told them to circle around the city. Wow. What? It still doesn't make sense, right? It still doesn't make sense. And that is the whole point. That's what it means to be obedient. Obedience is simply leaning onto God even when it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for us to be obedient sometimes, but that's the whole point of it. What we have to learn from this is that it is God's job. It is God's work to crumble down the wall. But our job is simply be obedient, to be faithful to the simple things in our life and just follow the ark, follow the presence of God. Now today, if you are struggling in your battle and you feel like you are just walking in circles, just keep walking in circles. Don't focus on the wall. God's going to take care of the wall. Focus on the ark. Focus on the presence of God. Focus on being faithful to the simple things in your life because that's what it means to be obedient to God. So what simple things in your life can you do today? It could be as simple as waking up in the morning and opening this word of God. It's the most simple but the most powerful. Well, how about this? Instead of trying to share the gospel to 10,000 people all at once, just focus on the one. Just focus on one person. Just pour your love upon that one person and bring that one person to Jesus Christ. That's what I'm telling myself these days. Just focus on the simple acts of obedience that I can do. Let's remember that simple obedience is what leads to great victory in the kingdom of God. As I close, I just wanted to remind you that this story of Joshua, this conquest, Jer conquest of Jericho, is not only a story of destruction and judgment, but it is also a story of salvation. As these people marched around the city, blowing this horn, the ram's horn, for those who did not believe in God, that the sound of the horn was a sound of judgment. But for those who believe in the true God, the sound of the horn was a sound of salvation. There was one person who heard the trumpet and believed in the true God, and that is Rahab. Rahab the prostitute. It says that because Rahab 
believed in the true God, she and her family and her relatives were saved because for them the sound of the horn was the sound of salvation. And you know that in the New Testament, about 1,500 years after this event, one man came to destroy a much bigger wall. The Luke's Gospels describes this man as the horn of salvation. And his name is Jesus. Jesus came down and he took the greatest wall, infinitely bigger than the wall that we saw today. And this wall was the wall that stood between the holy God and the unholy man. And as Jesus came to die for you on the cross, he opened this one small door on the wall. The door was Jesus. Only through Jesus you can have relationship with God. That's what Jesus did for you. Today I want to tell you that if you haven't decided to follow Jesus, if you haven't decided to believe in Jesus Christ who died for you, who loves you, I just want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. If you could close your eyes and bow your heads and pray this prayer with me. It's simple, but close your eyes and pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I believe that you are the horn of salvation. Thank you for blowing this trumpet, this horn for me today. I heard you and I confess my sins before you. I also confess that you die for me on the cross. Just as the, the blood of the animal was gushed onto the horn, your blood was shed for me. And I also believe that not only you died for me on the cross, but you resurrected for me so that I can have a new life. I want you to be my leader in the battle, all of the battle that I fight. Be my leader today. I believe in you, in Jesus' name. And for those who truly meant that, oh boy, this scripture, the word of God promises you that you will no longer perish, but you will have eternal life. Thank you, Lord, today for speaking these truths to us. Oh Lord, you know how difficult it gets sometimes fighting the battles in life. Would you help us, oh God, to be our leader, to walk in front of us and help us, not, help us not to get distracted by becoming the leader of our life, but I want you to be our leader. Help us, oh God, to, to, to really discern what we are fighting against, that we are fighting against a spiritual enemy. Give us that discernment, oh God. And help us not to focus on taking down the wall by ourselves because only you can do it. But help us to focus on following the ark, following the presence of God, being obedient to the simple thing that we can do today. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for teaching us that, Lord, today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, for those who said yes to Jesus today, we don't want you to walk alone. And what you can do is uh, text the word Mile City to this number, 94,000, 
and we would love to get in touch with you and to get to know you and help you through the process of for you to get to know Jesus more. So text the word Mile City and we'll just love to, to explore life with you.